Good morning, and welcome to Upward Vision. We're glad you've chosen to join us this morning. Upward Vision is a ministry of Sherwood Oaks Christian Church with locations in Bloomington and Bedford, Indiana. Now for today's message. You know, one of the great honors that um, we have in ministry is when we have the opportunity to preach a funeral. And they are uh, difficult to be sure. Some are more difficult than, than others um, too. But I always feel when, when I am preaching a funeral that I am standing on holy ground, that the God is somehow using words to bring um, just comfort and, and peace and hope as, as people mourn the ones that they have lost. And when I meet with a family to plan out a service, one of my first questions that I ask them is, you know, what, what word or words would you use to describe uh, this person that you lost, this one that you loved? And, and I ask that question and inevitably what happens is I just kind of sit back and, and take in everything that is shared as they share the words, as they recount stories. And sometimes they share them with tears in their eyes. And, and, and oftentimes what happens is those tears become laughter as they remember all of the joy that this person brought them. And then they turn back to tears as they mourn the, the loss of this person that they, that they loved. And many of you have sat in that space and you know how healing that time can be, but also how difficult that time can be. And so as we start out today, I guess what I want to ask you is maybe a similar question. What words do you hope people use to capture your life? What words do you hope people cling to to say she was like this? If I had to sum her life up with one word, it would be this. If I had to sum his life and capture it, with one word or one phrase, this is what it would be. One account, one story that I'll always remember and, and hang on to. In our text today, I, I believe that Paul gives us words that he would like to be remembered by. And I, and I don't think that he gives these words to us for that purpose. But I don't know that there are any better words that, that capture Paul's life and his ministry better than the words that we are going to be studying today. And so if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, turn with me to Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. We're going to be taking a deep dive into uh, to some verses here in Acts chapter 20 that I think really capture the radical obedience with which Paul followed Jesus. Now, that word obedience, which is kind of our, our theme for today, radical obedience, that word obedience has a little bit of a negative connotation to, to it, doesn't it? You know, we hear that word and uh, so many things come to our mind. We think of like forced compliance. We think of submissiveness, of following rules. And, and we have so many negative examples of how people have taken advantage of the obedience of others that for many of us, when we hear that, it just kind of makes our skin crawl. And in fact, some people even project those same um, attributes onto God when, when it talks about being obedient to, to him. But when scripture talks about obedience... It always talks about it in terms of an invitation. 
The Bible invites us into a life of obedience, but it never forces us into a life of obedience. Scripture teaches us that a life of obedience to God is the fruit of genuine faith. Let me say that again, because I think this really captures the heart of what we are getting at today. A a life of obedience to God is the fruit of genuine faith. That if you truly believe in God, then you will obey him and you will follow his commands. Jesus even says, if you love me, you will follow my commands. You will hear God's word and you will act upon them. It means imitating God in holiness, imitating Christ in humility and love. Christian obedience is placing yourself under the authority of God and following his commands no matter what. Which are just even more words (laughs) that, that we don't like. And to make it even better, you know, to, to sweeten the pot just a little bit, obedience isn't always easy either. In fact, I contend that following Jesus is not for the faint of heart. There is a cost to obedience. And Jesus himself modeled this for us. He was obedient in everything that he did to the Father, including going to the cross when, when just Hours before that moment, Jesus was in the garden praying intensely, Lord, if there is any other way, please take this cup from me. And yet when God answered that prayer with silence, Jesus obediently got up and went to the cross for you and for me. And throughout his ministry, Jesus taught us that if we are going to follow him, we're going to share in his sufferings. We're going to share in his hardships, in his persecution. But we're also promised that if we share in Christ's sufferings, we will also share in his glory. When Jesus talked about persecution and hardships for following him, he did not use language of if, but when. It wasn't if you are persecuted because of me. It was when you are persecuted because of me. It wasn't if people say all sorts of evil about you because of me. It was when people say all sorts of evil about you because of me. Honestly, those, those scriptures have sometimes made me take a step back in my life and say, if, if, this, if Jesus spoke with such certainty about this and, and, and I'm not really experiencing some of that same persecution, Am I really following Jesus as closely as I should? It's not long into the book of Acts before we see persecution break out amongst the early followers of of Jesus. In Acts chapter 7, we read about the the stoning of Stephen. He's, He's the first Christian martyr. And that kind of sparks something within the early church. If you if you look at just turn back a few chapters to Acts chapter 8. Stephen is stoned. And what we read in verse one of chapter eight is on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered through Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul, Saul, who who was overseeing the stoning of Stephen, giving his approval to it, Saul began to destroy the church Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. The next chapter, chapter 9, Saul is is continuing 
his, his journey in persecuting the church and Jesus encounters him there and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and through this encounter with Jesus, Saul's life begins to change and, and Jesus goes to a man named Ananias and says, hey, I want you to go to Saul and I, and I want you to, to, to baptize him. And Ananias is like, wait, don't you know who this is? Like, <laughs> this is the guy who is breathing out murderous threats against us. And, and this is what Jesus tells to Ananias about Saul. He says, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And then verse 16, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And so Saul starts to follow Jesus, changes his name to Paul. And in the remainder of Acts, we see just how much he ended up suffering for Jesus. Just a, just a scan through the section titles in Acts, it begins to paint uh, the picture of the, of the difficulties Paul faced. Uh, Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas in prison. Acts 21, Paul arrested. 23, the plot to kill Paul. 24, Paul's trials before Felix. Acts 27, the storm and the shipwreck. And then finally, in Acts chapter 28, Paul preaches at Rome under guard. Like if someone is writing, let's, let's just leave that up for a second. If someone is writing the story of your life, I don't know that, that you would want these to be your chapter titles, <laughs> right? Like that's a pretty difficult life to, to have to live. But in our text today, we get the feeling that Paul knew what he was getting into. He understood the cost of radical obedience to the Lord and he was willing to pay the price for it for the sake of others knowing about God's love for them in Jesus. Let's look at our text, Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 17. It says, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, compelled by the Spirit, and if you are one who marks in your Bible or highlights or do anything, I encourage you just to underline or, or circle that word compelled. Compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And so Paul is with 
these people that he loves dearly, that he has poured himself into, that he has brought up to know, love, and follow Jesus. And, and now he has gathered them together to say bye to them one more time. He knows that this is the very last time that he is going to see them this side of eternity. And there is an emotional farewell that happens here. And, and in this farewell, Paul says in verse 22, that he is compelled by the spirit to go to Jerusalem. And that word compelled is a very interesting word. You know, I hear that word and, and I think that somehow the, the Holy Spirit is like nudging, you know, gently Paul to move to Jerusalem. He is encouraging him. He is maybe urging him to go to Jerusalem. But the Greek word that is used here is actually much stronger than that. It's a word that describes being bound to something or to someone, literally tied up or in chains. Luke uses the same word in Acts chapter 12 to describe Peter when he was tied up or he was bound while he was in prison. And so what Paul is saying is that he is bound to the spirit. Wherever the spirit goes, Paul is going to go because he has no other choice. He is tied to the spirit, which is what makes the next part even more confusing to my Western mind that values comfort and security above all else and just sometimes assumes that God does too. In verse 23, Paul says that the same spirit that he is bound to, the same spirit that he is tied to, that, that wherever the spirit goes, he is taking Paul with him. He is going with him. He says in verse 23 that this same spirit has also warned him that prison and hardships are ahead. In other words, the Holy Spirit is taking Paul directly into persecution and suffering for his faith. Directly into persecution and suffering for his faith. These two messages seem to be at odds, don't they? How can the spirit that Paul is bound to be taking him right into suffering? It, it doesn't make sense to us if our mindset is that God's ultimate goal for us in life is to be happy and to be healthy. But that's not what scripture teaches. If we understand this and we have this theology that, that when we follow Jesus, life is just supposed to get easy and that, that God's job is to actually deliver me from pain and suffering, not lead us right into it, then, then this concept, it doesn't make sense. What, what is going on here? When I first became a follower of Jesus, someone gave me a, a book that told the stories of Christian martyrs, men and women who lost their lives um, because they wouldn't stop proclaiming Christ, because they wouldn't deny their faith. It was a formative book for my young faith. And, and, and I'll never forget that while I was reading that book, I, I, I listened to a, a sermon. And the person preaching said, the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. And I thought, man, tell that to the people that I'm reading about in this book. Like there was nothing safe for them about following Jesus. And this is Paul's story. Following Jesus brought him a whole lot of trouble. And yet here he is bound to the spirit that is moving him towards Jerusalem where he knows that he is going to face persecution and hardship. 
To him, obedience and suffering were not at odds with one another. They go hand in hand. And in verse 24, Paul tells his friends and us why he is willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel. He, he says this, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. You see, the reason why Paul was willing to face the dangers in Jerusalem is because his ultimate aim was to finish the task that Jesus had sent him out to do. His, his ultimate goal was to tell others about God's love and grace for them through Jesus. To Paul, nothing else mattered. Nothing else was more important than that, including his very own life. And so Paul goes to Jerusalem where he is ultimately arrested. He's sent to Rome. Acts closes with, with Paul in chains in prison for following Jesus. And we know through historical documents that he was ultimately beheaded for his faith and obedience to Jesus. Living faithfully to him to the very end. You know, it just seems through the New Testament and through church history, there is this relationship between obedience and suffering that I, I know very little about. And, and I think that we all know what it's like to, to suffer. We have all been through hardships just of, of living in a broken and fallen world where, where life is hard and there is pain and there is suffering that we go through. And and I'll tell you, where, where I really want to go with this sermon and where, where I really struggled with is I, I want to just go right there because, because that's the story. Like, we don't share a whole lot in common as individuals, as humanity living in this world. But one of the things that we do share in common is that every single one of us has experienced suffering. We've all experienced pain. We have all experienced hardships. Each, each one is, is a different story, but is the common thread that we all have of, of suffering. And what I would love to do this morning is just tackle that of like, how can we work through suffering that we experience in this life? But I, but I, I believe, and as I prayed about this, honestly, the Holy Spirit even convicted me that that, to focus on that very broadly about suffering would actually do a disservice to our brothers and sisters in Christ who have either lost their faith because of Jesus and following him or are currently experiencing persecution because their suffering is different than how many of us suffer. They suffer for the cause of Christ and for their faith. And so many of them are experiencing the same persecution and suffering that we read about in the book of Acts. We see it playing out before us today, according to an article in Christianity Today earlier this year. Every day, eight Christians worldwide are killed because of their faith. Every single day, eight Christians are killed because of their faith in Jesus. You add that up over the course of a year, and that is our entire congregation at all campuses, West Bedford, Iglesias Manor here at East, being martyred for their faith. Every week, 182 churches or Christian buildings are attacked. Every month, 309 Christians are imprisoned unjustly 
because of their faith. One in eight Christians worldwide faces persecution for their faith. When you, when you only isolate into Asia, that number jumps to two out of every five. 40% of our brothers and sisters in Christ in Asia are being persecuted because of their faith. Persecution is so prevalent in the Chinese underground church that they measure the qualifications of their pastors not by how much time they have spent in seminary, but by how much time they've spent in jail for preaching Christ. And because of the university and our incredible um, international ministry here at Sherwood Oaks, these stories aren't just happening overseas. They're not just happening in, in far off places to people that we will never meet. We are hearing reports of persecution happening to folks who have found Christ right here within the walls of our church, to, to men and women who were baptized in these very waters. For many of these students, putting their faith in Christ is not a simple or a safe decision. There is real potential for them to lose relationships with family and friends, to miss out on job opportunities in their home country, even to have to live in fear of their safety and their very lives because they follow Jesus. One student who was baptized at Sherwood Oaks shared stories of people in his home country disappearing when they began to show interest in the Christian faith. Gone. Nobody has any idea where they went or what happened to them. And he's now a medical director at a hospital in his hometown and he's quietly ministering to his coworkers and to his family, hoping to start a house church in his home where he can reach people with the good news and the freedom of Jesus that he has found while he was here at IU, while he attended Sherwood Oaks. He is one of less than 20,000 Christians in a country that has more than 35 million people. And for him to follow Christ, he is putting his life in danger. But he is testifying to the good news of God's grace in his home country, doing exactly what we read Paul doing. Another young lady was just baptized this past Sunday afternoon, just seven days ago. She was baptized right here in these waters, but, but we won't be able to show her baptismal video in the montage that we'll do here in, in a few months. Because there is strong evidence that international students are being monitored here at IU from their home countries. That, that nations are employing students who are going to American universities to keep watch over other students from their country to make sure that they don't get too comfortable with American ways or with the Christian faith. And if they do, they are to report them back immediately. We know of some students who have simply disappeared when they started showing interest in Christ, right here, right here in our own community, right here in our own church. This is happening in our world. It is happening in our community to our brothers and sisters in Christ, men and women whom we will spend eternity with. People are living with radical obedience to follow Jesus and make him known. And for some, it is costing them everything. 
but they've counted the cost. And they're moving forward with faith. And so what can we do? First thing is, is pray. And, and I know sometimes that, that is just such a, a, a general answer that we hear or just pray about it. But I, when, when people reach out and, and ministries who work with those who are experiencing persecution, they say that the, that the number one request that they have for the church is to pray for them. Not, not, hey, come and save me, not come and rescue me. It's to pray for me, pray for courage and strength to stand in the face of persecution, of threats to me and to my family and to not lose faith or lose hope. And so as a church, may we pray for our brothers and sisters who are experiencing persecution today. And there are some great resources online that can help lead you to pray for those who are being persecuted in their faith. Apps that will send you a daily reminder of maybe even one individual person to pray for. Which leads to the second thing, learn. Learn their stories, read their stories, listen to their stories. And, you know, things like, Oh, things like this, you know, these are heavy topics, right? <laughs> they make us a little uncomfortable because they, they have tendencies for me to confront my comfortable Christianity. Like you have no idea how much and how badly I want to preach a happy sermon again. These last several weeks have been tough. <laughs> like I'm glad that Christmas is just around the corner so we can talk about easy stuff like the birth of Jesus and celebrate that. But don't ignore their stories because it makes you uncomfortable. Read their stories. Find books that celebrate their stories and encourage their stories. Do an online search on the persecuted church. Find resources. There's a, there's a great website that's filled with resources uh, that, that's put on by an organization called Voice of the Martyrs. It's just persecution.org. And there's all sorts of books that they recommend that you can dive into, studies that you can do ways that you can pray and that you can learn about what our brothers and sisters in Christ in other parts of the world are going through. And as I've processed through this topic over the last few weeks, I've just began to, I've really been asking myself, like, why would people be willing to risk persecution and hardship, even death for their faith in Christ? And I think it's because they have tasted and seen how sweet life with Jesus truly is. And they want others to find that life too. They know the lasting joy and satisfaction of following Jesus and being radically obedient to him. They, they have a firm hope in the promise of an eternal reward that can never be taken away. Paul even asks the questions in that famous passage in Romans 8, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall death or sword or hardship? No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. And they have that hope rooted in their soul. They get that this life is just a blip on the radar for all eternity and that the only thing that matters in this life in the end is what we do with and for Jesus. In January of 1956, Jim Elliott and four of his friends landed on a small strip of land in the jungles of Ecuador. And their hearts were set on reaching the local tribe with the good news of, of Jesus. They had been preparing for it. 
praying for it, fasting about it for, for years. And the day had finally arrived and they landed on January 3rd, 1956. And within five days, all five of them had lost their life, martyred for the cause of Christ. Elizabeth Elliot, Jim's wife, said they went to this tribe knowing the dangers, but also having confidence that they belonged to God and they were eternally secure in him no matter what happened to them. Their ultimate desire in life was to obey Jesus' command to share the good news with every nation, no matter what the cost. And in fact, Elizabeth would later return to that very same village to reach the tribe that killed her husband. And many of them, even to this day, are now followers of Jesus. They came to know the Lord. Jim Elliott once wrote, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jesus puts it like this. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Are you willing to, to live with that kind of radical obedience today? Does your faith and hope in Christ give you courage to Face persecution and ridicule, hardship so that others may know how sweet life with Jesus truly is. Following Jesus is not for the faint of heart. It is daily taking up your cross to follow him, to share in his sufferings. But the hope that we have as followers of Jesus is that there is far more to this life than what we see and we experience here and now. May we be a church that obediently testifies to the good news of God's grace, no matter what the cost, no matter what our culture may say against us. We stand on the word of God and proclaiming to make Christ known in our community and to the nations. And may you find, as Paul did, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. This has been Upward Vision, a ministry of Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. With locations on the east and west sides of Bloomington and in Bedford, Sherwood Oaks has a worship service to meet your needs. To receive a free copy of today's message or for more information about any of our locations and service times, go to socc.org messages. Thanks for joining us. Continue to look to God this week as you maintain the upward vision.